We've had a good time this weekend, haven't we? So far, we're going to have a great time uh, this morning. Don't you appreciate your praise and worship team? Man, what a blessing. So nice and full and uh, just uh, a blessing. Presence of the Lord. How many of you have your Bibles? Wave and make the devil mad. Sometimes you have your device, you know, or they'll have some scriptures up here uh, on the screen for you if you don't. Uh, so we'll have that available also. Hey, let me make mention. We do we do have a, uh, uh, I say, a book table. We should call it an impartation table <clears throat> because there's not any necessarily any books over there, but we do have CDs, DVDs. We've got teaching. We've got music. I was a piano major in college. Of course, you've got an excellent keyboardist here and pianist, uh, Nikolai. But, uh, and also, what's your name? Vanessa as well. And so, but anyway, this is called In His Presence. A lot of uh, churches use this for their prayer times. Uh, I play it in my truck all the time, pray in the Spirit all the time with it. You can worship with it. Nothing but piano and strings. No particular melodies, just out of my spirit. So it's over there. I traveled with a group called the Rama Singers and Band for about 11 years. And, man, we, you know, we, we just had a good time. If you like good old uh, kind of gospel and, and, you know, get happy music, we've got two over there. This is called He'll Do It Again. It's got some nice ballads also. But then also we have Look What the Lord Has Done over there. We do have a disclaimer on Look What the Lord Has Done, and it says please do not listen to while driving. You might get happy and take your hands off the wheel. <laughs> then we've got some teaching. This is called Empowered for Living. Now, I was raised Southern Baptist. I was born again when I was seven years old, thoroughly saved. Then when I was 18, I went to a Catholic Bible study and came out baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in a supernatural language called unknown tongues. So, you know, that's not an odd experience. It's not scary. If you have questions about it, it's completely biblical. I give you a line upon line, precept upon precept teaching on what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then I talk to you about the supernatural language that occurs and its purpose and usage. Then I coach you into receiving the experience. So if you have any questions along those lines or you know someone who does, it's over there. It's called Empowered for Living. Churches give that out for their altar calls, many of them. Uh, so, uh, And then this is finally one that's called I'm Just Saying. And basically, we talk about the fact that you and I, uh, because we're created in the image of God, we are spirit beings. And because we're spirit beings, our words are of a spiritual nature and origin. And they carry tremendous impact in the natural world in which we live. So we just talk about the importance of speaking the right things, not only over ourselves and to ourselves, but to others as well. Amen. So this morning we said we're going to have a good time. You know, this is kind of what I would call just a pick-me-up weekend. Sometimes you need those services that just kind of pick you up and lift your spirits and, and uh, get, you, get your joy cup full. So this morning we want to talk uh, about uh, living in joy. Now, I've ministered to you along these lines in the past, uh, but it's always good to revisit things, isn't it? So uh, let me get this podium bent down a little and then we'll... We'll go. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Each of us have a race to run, don't we? We have a course to finish. And I believe that it would be God's divine intention that each one of us run this race and finish this course with joy. Everybody say, with joy. You know, in my estimation... Joy is really at the heart of Christianity. Because when Christ entered this world, the Bible says that He entered it with great joy. How do we know that? Because the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And what were their words? Behold, we bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. 
which shall be to all people. And so he entered with joy. And of course, before he departed, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he bequeathed his joy to his disciples or just prior. He bequeathed his joy in John 15 and verse 11. He said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, right? And that your joy might be what? Full. So in one sense of the word, we say that joy is the fuel that keeps the motor running, right? The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says what? The joy of the Lord, the very last string, verse there, is the strength of our lives. Everybody say, the joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. is my strength. And I'm not talking about some mere soulish emotion. I'm talking about a spiritual force called joy. It is a fruit of the recreated human spirit, and it is resident within every born-again Christian. You have been given a divine deposit of joy. Woo! Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. What does the Bible say? It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, so forth. And so, once again, joy is one of the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Also, Paul tells us over in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, what does he say? He says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. That means it's not mere matters of external observance, although that is involved. He said, but the real essence of the kingdom of God is what? It is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. These are attributes of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, joy, peace, and if they're attributes of the kingdom, they should be attributes of the subjects of the kingdom. Can you agree this morning? So let's turn over and look what, the, what Paul, the Apostle Paul, has to say about the subject of joy and about the subject of peace. Look over in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, very familiar passages of Scripture. Once again, talking to you this morning about living in joy. Not occasionally, not in a church service, but as a believer, maintaining a perpetual state of joy and peace in this crazy world we live in. Is it possible? Absolutely. Come on, honey, move all this over. Have a seat, baby. I got kids. I'm going to get me a, this is lemon juice and honey. You ever seen a minister do that before? <laughs> oh, praise God. Look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Notice Paul's words. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he said, in case you did not hear me the first time, he said, let me repeat myself. Again, I say, rejoice. One translation says, all joy be yours at all times. All joy be yours at all times. Another translation says, Always be happy in the Lord. Now, now let me get this straight, Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. All joy be mine at all times. Always be happy in the Lord. you got to be kidding me. What planet did you live on? The same one we do? He said, absolutely. How in the world is that possible? He said, I'll tell you how to do it. Right here. Verse 6. Here's your key to walking in joy. Verse 6, he said, Be careful 
for nothing. Now, I did a study in the Greek on the word nothing, and it means nothing. (laughs) Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. So basically, Paul said, listen now, joy is going to be most fully realized in the life of a Christian who has learned to live their life free from care. I did not say free from responsibility. Free from the necessary activities of life. Free from the occasional challenges and adversities and pressures of life. He said free from the care of them. Are you listening? Now, I love the Living Bible of this particular verse, and I'll just quote it to you. The Living Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank Him for the answers. If you will do this, God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, will keep your heart and your thoughts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And, of course, the Amplified says, don't worry don't fret. Do you know what fret means? It really comes from a, a, a root word that, that means to devour. When you're fretting, man, that, that, that fretting and that fear can begin just to eat away at you. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't have anxiety about anything. What? <laughs> Come on, man. Are you kidding me? No. He said, listen now. If you're going to have joy, and if you're going to live in that joy, and you're going to walk in peace, you're going to have to learn how to live your life free from care. Now, he, now, now why? Well, because worry has consequences. Worry opens the door to fear. And when fear enters, your peace is displaced. And when your peace is displaced, man, your sense of faith and confidence begin to falter. Are you listening? So, you know, most Christians would say, amen, amen, don't worry, don't worry. But they don't even know what worry is. Do you know what worry is? Now, likely, like we talked about last night, friends, worry is meditating in a negative direction. Now, when we talk about meditating, what does it mean to meditate? To reflect, to rehearse, right? That's what it means. And so worry is constantly allowing your thoughts to rehearse and to reflect upon the potential uncertainties of life. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if that doesn't come through for me? What if I don't get better? What if the money doesn't come? What if, what if, what if? Satan will constantly attempt to paint on the canvas of our minds portraits of defeat, portraits of failure, portraits of the worst case scenario, all with the intention of bringing fear. And when that fear enters, peace is displaced, joy is sabotaged, our faith and our confidence begin to falter. Right? So Paul said, hey, I've got some great instruction for you. And if we had to summarize his teaching in these verses in a modern phrase today, it would very simply be, don't worry, be happy. Turn to your neighbor say, don't worry. Be happy. Turn to your other neighbor say, don't worry. <laughs> be happy. Amen. Is that possible? Absolutely. What amazes me about these particular scriptures and this man, Paul, is he was no stranger to adversity, friends. His life was not a bed of roses. When he wrote these words in Philippians, he wasn't sitting in a nice hotel with breakfast in bed. He was in prison. 
And I don't know if you've ever read his personal testimony over in 2 Corinthians. I'll just reference it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. If you haven't, you can read it later. But I want to read it to you in the Amplified. They don't have that on the screen, so you just listen to me read it. This is his personal testimony. (laughs) Are you ready? Paul said, I have worked harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. He said, I have been uh, at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times by the Jews, 39 lashes. That means if you were to see Paul at the beach with his shirt off, he would be covered from head to toe with scars. He said, I have been beaten three times uh, with Roman rods. I've been pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times in an open sea for a night and a day. Now, man, if, I, if I'd have been out there in the ocean and I saw a shark's fin, I'd have been walking on water. How about you? He said, in hard traveling year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. Right here. I've known drudgery, hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And he said, and that's not the half of it. (laughs) He said, when you throw in all the daily pressures and anxieties of the churches, and you think you've had a challenging month, or a year, or several years. None of us have encountered the adversities and the persecution that accompanied Paul's life and ministry. And this same man, I love his attitude. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, notice his, his words. He said, look, none of these things move me. Right? Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which was given to me from the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the gospel of grace uh, to the Gentiles. Don't you love his attitude? None of these things move me. Well, good for you, Apostle Paul. Praise the Lord. (laughs) He said, hey, I have learned to live in joy, man. Live in peace. In the midst of the most amazing, difficult, and contrary circumstances. Well, sir, would you like to give us some insight on how to do that likewise? He said, I'd be happy to. He said, because I've learned it. And he said, here is your key and mine. To living in joy and peace. In the midst of difficult times and circumstances that we do encounter in this life occasionally. And he said, here's your answer, Philippians 4, 8. Notice he said... Finally, brethren, now he's bringing some things to conclusion in his thoughts. Finally, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. Now notice, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, please somebody tell me the the next and last phrase. Think on these things. Paul said, you want to know the secret to joy and peace and maintaining that? He said, I'll tell you what it is. You're going to have to learn to think properly. You've got to learn to focus, as we said last night, focus your attention properly. Because whatever we focus our attention upon has the greatest impact on our joy, on our peace, on our faith, on our confidence. I don't know if you know it or not, but as we said last night, the devil wants your attention. And he wants mine. Look at it. Think about how bad it's, it is. And how potentially bad it could be. Think about the uncertainty of your, your future. Think about the frustrations of your job. May I have your attention, please? Because he knows if he gets your attention, he gets your peace, he gets your joy, he gets your faith. So you have to put up the hand. And you have to say, no, sir, you may not have my attention. Talk to the hand. Right? Right? 
Because it is impossible, friends, to have an undisciplined mind and maintain joy and peace. An undisciplined mind is like an undisciplined child. Bad habits, unruly, no boundaries, headed for trouble. (laughs) We can't just let our minds run off and maintain joy and peace, right? And people say, well, I can't control my thoughts. Yes, you can. Now, just say I had a device that I could put on your head this morning. And every thought that you would think would be projected up here on this screen for everybody in the church to see. I wonder if you could control your thoughts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We can control them now. Now, it takes discipline. And we have to do it on purpose. And we have to learn to harness these thoughts and bring them into harmony with God's Word and to that which promotes joy and promotes peace. But we can do it, right? So Paul said, I've really learned this through experience. I've learned how to focus my thoughts properly. Even when all hell, so to speak, is breaking loose externally, I'm able to maintain internal peace and joy because I don't focus on the external. I focus on the internal. Well, now, what do you think about Paul? He said, well, I'll tell you what I think about. And you can get these from the epistles. He said, you know, when the mountain seems high and the road seems long, and it does at times, you know. He said, here's what I think about. I think about the fact that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I think about the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am ready for. I am equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses His inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's the amplified version of that verse. I like it. He said, I think about the fact I'm the head, man. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. Are you with me? I think about the fact that I've been raised to sit in heavenly places in Christ, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, the devil and all of his nonsense. Are you listening? He said, I think about the fact that nothing, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ. He said, those are the things that I focus my attention upon rather than these external, temporary frustrations and challenges of the moment. Right? Which leads me to another point. What else did you think and focus your attention upon, Paul? He said, I'll tell you something else I think about. I think about the hope of heaven and my eternal reward. You remember it was the Apostle Paul that, that uh, wrote the Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, where he said, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, frighten one another with these words. Is that what it says? No, it says comfort. Now, a lot of people preach it and people just get scared out of their wits. Hey, that's good news for you and me. If you're a believer, can I tell you something? This is as bad as it gets for you. I don't care what the devil thinks he's got going in your life. This is as bad as it gets. Not so for the unbeliever. But for the believer, if you're sitting in this place this morning, maybe you've gone through some stuff. But hey, realize this is as bad as it gets. (laughs) Jesus is coming. Woo! You've got glory on the other side and eternity with Him. Woo! Paul said, I think a lot about that. And he said, I I, I think about the hope of heaven. I think about my eternal reward. He said, I really live my life here with an eternal perspective. Because I am cognizant of the fact, he said, that any sorrow, any setback, any disappointment that I may encounter in this life, is in reality 
light and momentary in comparison to the eternal blessedness that is awaiting me on the other side. Can you say amen? And he said, I'll tell you something. I'm running this race not for the here and now, but for the hereafter. He said, I think about what I do, why I do it, and to whom I do it for or with. It's all an eternal mindset. He said, because one day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, and I am going to be rewarded for my labors here upon this earth. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. Man, what? think about it, Scripture. This is awesome. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. And that's not where he stopped. He said, and my reward is with me. I'm not coming empty-handed. I'm coming, but when I come, my reward is with me, and I will give to every man, every woman, according as their work shall be. Now, people get nervous when you talk about the judgment seat of Christ. But as a believer, you need to understand, friends, your sins were judged on the cross. They are under the blood of Jesus Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, in one sense of the word, is a grand awards ceremony where your works and mine will be evaluated. Anything that we have done for the accolades of men out of selfish personal pride or a, a selfish agenda will be caught considered wood, hay, and stubble. And the Bible says it'll be burned up. So none of us want a bonfire at the judgment seat, right? So, <laughs> But they said anything we do, and you can find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Whatever we do for God, for His kingdom, and for others, out of a motivation of love and sincerity, we will be rewarded for it. So don't think that your, your acts of love and kindness go unnoticed. God has a book of remembrance. And Paul said, hey, I am living for that day in the here and now. Anything you've ever done for God and for His kingdom and for people because you love God, and you love people, you will be rewarded for it. Amen? So, you know, we think about the Grammy Awards and the Emmy Awards, and man, they walk out there and sashay. Let me tell you something. That will pale in comparison to that day. <laughs> Paul said, I'm living for that day. <laughs> and so he said in Second Timothy chapter uh, 4, I believe it is, verses 7 and 8, he said, hey, this is my testimony. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And he said, because I have, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, he said, but to all those who love his appearing. Anybody looking for him? You better be, because he's coming soon. Woo, we're going to be diligent till he gets here. But I mean, I, I can't see it too far off. Woo! And I'm ready. I'm excited. Paul said, I'm living for that day. Right? Now, let me tell you something else. Not only just maintaining your thoughts and, and focusing your attention properly rather than the negative focusing on the positive. Don't allow the devil to constantly bring up your past and throw it in your face and steal your joy. Uh, you know, it is impossible to drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Are you listening? All of us have made mistakes in life. Perhaps you have personal regrets of decisions that you've made or you've had, uh, you know, broken relationships, failed businesses or, or things that have just your loved ones have passed perhaps to the other side. And man, you know, that sorrow and things can kind of try to hold on to you. Uh, but but I, like, uh, I, I like the example I, I travel a great deal. I used to carry a GPS system with me, you know, the global positioning system. Now you can just do it on your phone. How many of you have maps on your phone? Well, you know how it operates, right? I travel a great deal, so I fly in, get in a rental car. I, I, the, the satellite pinpoints my place of origin. I put in the address of my destination. And then, of course, a little voice comes on. Most often it's a woman's voice because they're better with directions. And so, you know, she'll come on. And she'll, she'll say, uh, you know, 1.2 miles, turn right. And then 1.3 miles, take the motorway and so forth and so on. Well, sometimes when I'm in large cities, you know, Atlanta, L.A., New York, there's a lot of traffic in those cities. I live in Atlanta. And so, you know, man, 
you know, who knows? You have to get over two miles in advance to make a turn. And if you put your blinker on, they're not going to let you. You just got to sneak in. Well, sometimes, man, sometimes there's so much traffic, I'm unable to navigate my turn appropriately. And, and, and I'll miss the turn. And she comes on and she says, you have missed your turn. Well, I knew that. But I couldn't get over. But then she'll say the most wonderful thing. She'll say, one moment, please. Recalculating. And she'll give me an alternate route so I can get back onto the original route and come to my destination. How many of you know God is more merciful than a GPS system? <laughs> okay, man. Hey, we may have made some mistakes, took some wrong turns. We may have had some personal regrets. But you know what? All we have to say is, Father, I want your best from this point forward. I want your will to be to be fulfilled and culminated in my life. And the Holy Ghost will say, one moment, please, recalculating. And man, He can give you an alternate route to get back onto the original route. And your end can be better than your beginning. Don't take no for an answer. If you have loved ones that have passed to the other side in Christ, may I tell you a secret? They wouldn't come back if they could. They love you, but they wouldn't come back. They're in perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect contentment. Brother Hagin used to tell us all the time, he said, listen now, never feel sorry for anyone who's passed to the other side in Christ. He said they would not come back if they could. He said, believe me, I've been there. And he said, I know. And as much as I loved my wife and my children, I didn't want to come back. He said, but Jesus made me come back to finish the, the course, of course. And if you know anything about his life. So listen, don't let the past steal your present joy. You can't move forward dragging the past behind you. We've got to take Paul's admonition, which is Philippians 3.13, forgetting the things that are behind. Stop focusing your attention on yesterday. Forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth unto those things that are ahead. Now, don't you think it's interesting that he would say that? Why? Because he could have reflected on the past. He held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. He drug men and women and children into the streets and bound them to Jerusalem to stand trial, thinking he was doing God a favor. He said, hey, man, I got some things I'm not so proud of. But here's my philosophy, and I hope it will be yours. He said, forget it. Stop looking back. Put your eyes ahead of you, because your future is bright. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Amen? Now, let me give you some practical application as we close. How many give you give me five more minutes? Anybody? Give me 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Look in Psalm chapter 5. Let me just give you some practical application. We've looked at these things, but we might as well rehearse them. Psalm chapter 5, we have a tendency in our human nature to forget. And we need to be reminded. Psalm 511, notice what the psalmist said. Let all those that put their trust in thee do what? Rejoice. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Here's a seat right here, honey. All right, everybody, right here, right here. Keep your focus. <laughs> Are you ready? Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name. What's the next words? Be joyful in thee. Let me give you another one now. Psalm of 32 and verse 11. Once again, notice this. Be glad. Everybody say, be glad. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Amen? Hey, you get to put into practice what I've been teaching you. 
Be glad. Right? Rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Let me give you one more to substantiate my case. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Let them shout for joy and do what? Be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, three verses. What do we see in those three verses? Be glad. Rejoice. Be joyful. Be joyful. Now, does that sound like a suggestion? No. It's... It's a command. Righteous ones, children of God, be glad. Rejoice. Be joyful. Right? So if it is a command, here we go now. This is the brass tacks. Here's the application. It is a choice. And if it is a choice, more specifically, it is a matter of, once again, focus. What are we focusing our attention upon? Now listen, every single person in this room, every single person, from the time you open your eyes in the morning till the time you lay your head down at night, every person in this room has taking place on the inside of them what psychologists call and we refer to as internal conversation. You talk to yourself all day long. Now, that conversation is inaudible, but it's going on. You talk to yourself about your husband. You talk to yourself about your wife. You talk to yourself about your kids, your job, what we have, what we don't have, what we wish we had. We talk to ourselves about our coworkers. We talk to ourselves about ourselves. I mean, this conversation is going on, and unfortunately, for many people, this conversation is very negative in content. Everything that is wrong with my life. My relationships, my job. It's like the alarm goes off in the morning, and it's like a little record playing. Now we'd have to say a CD or an MP3. The alarm goes off, track one begins. And for many, their song sounds like this. Oh, God. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work. Or I wish I had a job. They don't pay me enough. I don't like my coworkers. They just yak all day long. Look at the, the house. It's a mess. My wife's not treating me properly. My husband's not treating me properly. I mean, this and that, you know. Uh, my hair looks like last year's bird's nest. I don't have anything to wear. Uh, you know, everything is negative. And what we don't realize is that this negative internal conversation is producing a mindset or mentality. And then that mentality is having an impact on our joy and our peace. And then that lack of joy and peace in turn has an impact on your physiological body. Because they're all connected. I tell people the highest form of human captivity is a wrong mentality. Because if I'm thinking improperly, I'm believing improperly. And if I'm believing improperly, I'm powerless to change my situation, right? So what we have to do is we've got to change tracks. We've got to sing another song. Now, you're looking at a guy that knows what he's talking about because I've learned this in my own life and how to appropriate it. Because has anybody in here ever had what we call a personality profile examination? If you've worked for companies or corporations, many times they'll give you a personality profile exam. Anyone ever had it? Right here? Different right here? I've had several through the years. The reason they give you this personality profile exam is they want to identify your personality traits, your strengths, your weaknesses, with whom you can best operate and cooperate with in the, in the work environment so that you're most productive. So every time I've taken that test, and I've taken it about three times, I always came out what you call melancholy perfect. Now that's one test. It'd be like a C in the disc. <laughs> but melancholy perfect. Now a lot of musicians are what we call melancholy. Well, melancholies are somewhat loners, and they have a tendency to be moody. You know, woo -hoo -hoo! 
one day and then, ha, ha. Yee-hoo! And a lot of times, the moodiness comes from the perfectionistic tendencies. As long as all my ducks were in a row, everything was in order, happy camper. But man, when it wasn't, I would lose my joy and lose my peace. I mean, I was born this way. I like all my shirts hanging perfectly. The pants, the coats, the underwear, the socks. No weeds in the flower beds. The car must be immaculate. I used to vacuum and mop my garage. Everything had to be perfect. And I liked it. And I still do, but can I tell you something? After a wife, mother-in-law, two kids, cat and a dog, forget it. It's not going to be perfect. Life is not perfect. And man, I had to learn to change tracks and sing a new song. And that's what I did. So when you're, you know, when the alarm goes off in the morning instead of, oh God, say, whoa, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Everything I set my hand to today is going to prosper. You say, Brother Marty, do you feel like that in the morning? Not always, no. I was kind of like one of those guys that had the coffee cup. You ever seen those coffee cups? And they have three lines to it. And the top line says, shh. <laughs> then the next line says, almost. Then at the very bottom it says, now you may speak. <laughs> <laughs> but man, my little girls, they get up talking. I mean, all that had to go out the window. I decided, man, I'm on change tracks. I'm going to sing a different song. And, and so when that alarm goes off, man, just wake up with a joy in your heart. You say, well, do you always feel like that? No, you don't always feel that joy. But here's what you have to realize. Action is more powerful than emotion. This is an absolute psychological and spiritual truth. Action is more powerful than emotion. So here's the conclusion. You and I will never be able to feel our way into acting differently. I don't feel happy, man. I, I just don't feel joyful. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like cleaning the house. I don't feel like messing with all this stuff. I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like lifting my hands this morning and praising God. I'm real. I'm not going to put it on. You're real. Real carnal. Because the Bible says, put on the garment of praise. Notice, for the spirit of heaviness. God understands how all this works. He said, hey, action is more powerful than emotion. If you will put on the garment of praise, that heaviness will be lifted off of you. Because action is more powerful than emotion. He said, so listen. Joy's on the inside, but when it settles to the bottom, sometimes you need to activate your joy. What do you mean? You got to stir it up. Now, any, I don't know, where am I? Uh, Pennsylvania. Because I go so many places. <laughs> you know, I'm from the South, man. We've got what you call sweet tea. Anybody know what sweet tea is? Southern sweet tea. Now, sweet tea is when you steep about eight or nine tea bags. And then you put in a minimum of a cup of sugar. That's a minimum. While the tea's hot. And then you stir it up and it melts, man. And then you add your ice and your water to make your gallon of tea. Well, I go up to New York and places and I say, I'd like some sweet tea. They bring me a cold glass of tea with ice in it. And a jar of sugar or packets. And then you put it in there. Where does it go? To the bottom. And then you got to stir it up. And it still doesn't really mix up. You know what I'm saying? Well, see, sometimes in life, your joy, it settles to the bottom of the glass. And when it does, you just got to stir it up a little bit. And God said, hey, I got some spoons for you. What are they, Lord? He said, well, here's, here's a couple of spoons. You can, and we read it, you can shout for joy. There's a shout because you got it. There's a shout to get it. Sometimes, man, when my joy cups gets a little low and I'm feeling the pressures of life, I just go down in the basement. That's my man cave. 
And I just get down there and I just lift my hands and I just start shouting to God. Nobody's around. I just begin to praise Him at the top of my voice, thanking Him for His goodness and faithfulness, shouting a little bit, getting happy. Do you feel like it? No. No at the moment. But the action begins to have impact on the emotions. Because let me tell you, emotions were never created to govern. They are a response mechanism. And people live by their emotions. And they don't realize the emotions respond to the mindset the mouth, and the actions. You want to feel differently? Think differently. Act differently. Talk differently. Your emotions will be impacted. Right? So, man, I just shout a little bit. Everybody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout it one more time. Hallelujah. Shout it once more. Sometimes you just got a little shout a little bit, you know. I tell you, I'll tell you a little story about shouting. We had a, uh, I, I, we were associate pastors at Rainbow Bible Church for about five years there in our tenure, and so we came in from church one night, and uh, my wife and I, man, I had an unction to pray. You know what I'm talking about? When all of a sudden on the inside you sense uh, what I call a divine disturbance. There's something that needs to be prayed about in the spirit. And so, man, we just start interceding and praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and sometimes, you know, you'll go 30, 45, 50 minutes, an hour. And then all of a sudden, we prayed that thing through, and we hit what you call a no to victory. Now, when you've stuck with something, you may not know what in the world you're praying about, but you're praying in that supernatural language. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for someone through you. you, you whatever that answer is, you know you got it. And all of a sudden, man, you get happy. You might sing a song. You might dance a little bit. You might shout a little bit. Well, here we were in our living room. And, uh, man, that, that note of victory came. And, boy, I started shouting. Woo! And I was dancing in the Holy Ghost right there in my living room. My wife was dancing. And we had a little dog. His name was Snickerdoodle. And Snickerdoodle, now, he's gone home to be with the Lord now. But he was a little shih tzu. And he was laying on the ottoman there just minding his business. And I don't know why in the world I did this, but man, I was dancing and shouting, and all of a sudden I said, whoa, like that, and I touched Snickerdoodle. God's my witness. That little dog, he jumped up from the ottoman. He started running around the kitchen table. I said, honey, look, the Holy Ghost is on that dog. I've never seen that dog run so fast around that kitchen table. My wife will tell you that's the truth. Everybody say shout for joy. You can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. Sing for it. There's scriptures in there. I get up, get in the shower. You know, not necessarily feeling so joyful, but I start singing a song. I'm full of joy. And I got the victory. I'm full of joy. And I got the victory. Now that's about as far down as we fellas go, isn't it, guys? About right there. We kind of let the runoff get the rest, don't we, boys? Anyway, I say, you know, I'm full of joy. And I just, <laughs> I just keep singing a little bit. And then all of a sudden, man, your spirit, your emotions catch on to your spirit. You're full of joy whether you feel it or not. It's a fruit of the recreated human spirit. But sometimes you get out of touch with it. So you just shout for it, sing a little bit, get out, get out of work, man. It's been a long day on the car ride home. Sing a little bit. Sing some happy songs, right? And what you'll do, your emotions will catch on. That joy will just be energized or stirred up a little bit, activated. It's present. Sometimes it just needs to be activated. So you can shout for joy, sing for joy, leap for joy. There's all kinds of scriptures. But now here's one of my favorite, and we're closing. This is one of my favorite uh, uh, characteristics of joy. It's found over in 126, Psalm 126. One of the manifestations of joy. Now, not the only one, but it is a fun one. Notice, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Notice, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord's done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. As we said, one of the manifestations of joy is laughter. Who likes to laugh? Anybody like to laugh? Now, some people think, well, it's just disrespectful to laugh in church. Now, why would you say that? When you laugh, where do you laugh from? Your head? <laughs> Is that where you laugh from? No. When you laugh, where do you laugh from? Your heart. Your belly. Why? Because God created laughter. Amen. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. 
Say it again. Ha, ha, ha. Now, contrary to popular opinion, Mark Hankins did not create the phrase ha, ha, ha. We were, we were at Winter Bible Seminar back in the 1990s. And I don't know if you're familiar with who Kenneth Hagin is, but at any rate, I traveled with him 11 years. We had what we called a, a Winter Bible Seminar there in Tulsa. And man, that particular year, there were 8,000 people there. We had all the overflows filled, the whole orchestra pit. It was just packed out, and it was on satellite television. Well, in that particular decade, there was an outpouring of the spirit of joy and saturation and celebration. You can't fabricate those things, but you can always teach the Word like we're doing this morning and then act upon it. And the Holy Spirit will confirm it. But at any rate, man, we'd had an outpouring. I mean, people were laying in the aisles all around that, that auditorium. I mean, what we would call drunk in the spirit. And that, that's not a, 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 you know, a derogatory term, spiritually speaking, because it means to be intoxicated or filled with the person in the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. So it meant like they were on the day of Pentecost. They thought they were drunk. And I mean, people are laid out. And I mean, it, I mean it's just been a wild service. Well, I'm the praise and worship leader. So Brother Hagen looks at me at the end of the service over national television on the microphone in front of 8,000 people and says, Brother Marty, do you have a song that will fit in here? Now, he'd always told us, if you sing the wrong song at the wrong time, it will kill the anointing. Now, who wants to be responsible for killing the anointing on national television in front of 8,000 people? No, he said, do you have a song that will fit in here? I said, no, sir. I did. I was sitting right in the front row. No, sir. He said, well, you will by the time you get up here. Right over the microphone. Thank God there's a lot of steps up to that platform. Because all the time I'm going, Jesus, 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 on the inside, you know. Give me a song. Give me a song. Well, all of a sudden. These words bubbled up. You can watch it on YouTube. You need to get on YouTube and see some of those meetings. Here's one you can go look at. Just one dose of the Holy Ghost. It'll come up. And then, you know, there's just multitudes of them. I was so drunk in the Spirit, I just couldn't even stand up. But anyway, (laughs) this one was. All of a sudden, these words bubbled up. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey. I resist you, and you cannot stay. And it had verses with it, and the whole band came up, and the singers. And I don't know why, you remember, I don't know why in the world it came out this way, but it came out like one of those old drink tavern drinking songs. And it was, ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. Y'all sing it with me. I think he's got some words for it. Sing it with me. Oh, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you when you can. Now sway a little bit. Let's get the feel of it. Oh, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you when you. One more time. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. And listen, i got to tell you, 8,000 people started singing that and swaying. And the more we sang it, and I don't mean this, you know, in a bad way, but the more we sang it, the drunker we got. <laughs> I don't know if you know it or not, but God never intended for you and I to go through this life sober. <laughs> He said, now don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo! So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have ourselves a good laugh. You say, some of you need to laugh. It's been too long since you have laughed. You say, we're just going to laugh? That's right. You don't even have to have a sense of humor to laugh. Every human being has been born with the gift of laughter. God is a joyful God.
Now, I do believe in the awe of God. I know what it is to eat carpet and be on my face in His holy presence. But His personality is multifaceted. And the Bible said God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness above His fellows. Full of joy. So we're going to have ourselves a good laugh. You say, well, now, now okay, well, but, but what are we going to laugh at? Well, I'm glad you asked me because here's a good principle. I understand the context of this scripture, but in Job uh, chapter 5, I think it's around verse 22 or so. Notice what, what the scripture says. Now, he's had a rough time, man. Things have been hard. And his comforts are saying, look, you're going to come out of this. Everything's going to be all right. And then he said, and the day will come at destruction and at famine thou shalt laugh. Neither shall thou be afraid of the beast of the earth. So this is, to me, it's just something good to laugh at. If, it, if it's destruction, if it looks like everything is falling apart, destruction. If it looks like famine, there's not going to be enough. See, sometimes you just got to get your checkbook out and laugh at it. <laughs> I've got my checkbook out. I've just laughed at the zeros. <laughs> just laughed at them. <laughs> have you really? I sure have. Now, my mother-in-law, she lives with us, been with us 16 years. She's what you call country come to town. You know that expression? She is from the deep south. And she has what you call colloquial expressions that you need an interpreter for. And so when my wife and I first got married, talking about famine, man, we were trying to get our finances in order, you know, and get things settled, as new couples many times do. And so, you know, uh, uh, my mother-in-law at that time, she wasn't living with us, but we were on the phone. She's a Bible school graduate, you know, and so we're talking, and she's trying to give some counsel to us and, and confidence and encouragement. So we're about to hang up. And I've been talking to her about her finances, things we were needing believing for. And she said, now, honey, one thing about it. I said, what, Mom? She said, they can't eat you. I said, what? She said, they can't eat you. They might can take the truck and take the house, but they can't eat you. <laughs> Some of you might need to remember that. They can't eat you. I don't know why I ran around the house. I said, well, they can't eat me. Turn to your neighbor and say, they can't eat you. <laughs> Woo, praise God. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to get in your mind's eye, just your mind's eye, something you need to laugh at. I don't care if it's physical, financial, relational. I used to work in healing school. People would come in with terminal diseases. And the Spirit of God would begin to move in joy and laughter. And they'd never been in anything like that in their whole life. And we'd say, now what's wrong with you? And they'd say, well, I have a tumor. And they'd get tickled. And start laughing and fall down, laughing, crying, laughing hysterically. 35, 45 minutes, get up completely healed. Why? Because all that stress and fear was alleviated. And then the healing power was able to flow. See, Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. See, God knows that force of joy can bring healing, peace, freedom from fear. Right? So this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4, what does it say? It says there's a time to weep, but what? There's a time to laugh. And this morning is a time to laugh. Now, I'm going to lead you in laughter. They led you in singing. <laughs> I'm going to lead you in laughter. And you might have to prime your pump. You know you know what I mean? You all remember those hand pumps? And, you know, you pump it, and at first it's kind of... But you keep pumping, and all of a sudden, man, you hit a gusher. Sometimes you just have to prime your pump. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. It doesn't take me long because I stay over there. Man, we love to laugh at my house. But I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. We understand talking to the mountain. This morning we're just going to laugh at it. If the devil has been harassing you emotionally, with fear and torment and depression, physiologically, relationally, financially. Get that in your mind's eye. And let's just turn it around on him this morning and have ourselves a good laugh. Right? Are you ready? Now, don't make me. I will drink alone. But I don't want to. But I will. Now, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to get ready to, to laugh. Now, come on. Get in your spirit. Close your eyes. Get something you need to laugh at. And on the count of three, I want you to laugh at it. 
And then you might have to prime your pump. Ha, ha, ha. But you do that and the Holy Ghost will take hold with you. Are you ready? I got something I'm going to laugh at right now. All right, are you ready? <laughs> okay, I hope I'll make it. One, <laughs> two, three. this morning. I love the different kinds of laughs. It's kind of contagious. Now don't be looking around. Prime your own pump now. like brothers. I think we kind of look like brothers, don't we? (laughs) Oh, I don't mean to snort. I just can't help it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Somebody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey, I'm going to sit down here and let's just laugh for a little bit now. You let the Holy Ghost hook up with you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, there's a lot going on more than the meets the eye <laughs> right now. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I know sometimes people want to laugh. They just need a little little help. I call them jump starters. Now, see, y'all got a bulletin. See this bulletin right here? A lot of churches have bulletins, and they have these misprints. You know, they try to make announcements. They were misprints. Have you ever seen any of those? Like one of them said uh, uh, in the bulletin, it said, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. I like this when it said uh, in the bulletin, it said, The sermon tonight, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's bad, ain't it? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh. Oh, goodness. I like this one. Don't worry, Jesus is not offended at this because I asked him. It said, uh, this morning, says, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon this evening, searching for Jesus. <laughs> People don't know if they want to laugh at that or not. He's all right with it. Oh, goodness. You'll understand this here in Pennsylvania. Said, uh, said there'll be a bean supper at Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Music will follow. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh, 
goodness. Let me give you one for the road now. This said, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> oh, mercy. Lord, have mercy. The Lord is good, isn't he? Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey! Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I'm going to sing you a song, then I'm going to turn this over to Pastor. Bro, crank her up. Give me a little reverb if you can. Covers the multitude of sin. Come on. Put your hands together. I need it in the house. Not in the, not in the monitor that much. Come on. Well, maybe you can tell it by the smile on my face. I got joy. Bring the track up. I got joy. It's a smile that comes from heaven that the world cannot erase. I got joy. I got joy. Woo! Sunshine or stormy, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I got joy. Bring the track up. Got joy. With trouble all around me, I can sing amazing grace. I got joy. I got joy. Hey, problems cannot stop me. I'm going to win this race. I got joy. I got joy. He's strength to my spirit, provider and friend. Can't help but shout it and say it again. I got joy. I got joy. I got joy. Listen now. This joy is not dependent on what I feel or see. No matter what the struggle, I still have victory. This joy for my journey no man can take away. The joy of the Lord is my strength today. Hey! Well, Jesus is the solid rock I'm standing on today. I got joy. I got joy. Oh, He's taken all my burdens and washed my sins away. I got joy. I got joy. When I rise in the morning, see the day God has made. Sunshine or stormy, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I've got joy. I've got joy. Hey, I've got joy. I've got joy. I've got joy. Oh, I've got joy. I've got joy. Does anybody in here have some joy? <laughs> you got it. Joy! Woo! Here's the good news. You've not only got it, you get to keep it and take it home with you. And wake up with it in the morning. Amen? Pastor, praise God. We love you. We'll see you back tonight.